It's time now for the Jack Michael Show on 740 The Fan and 740thefan.com. To phone in, call 237-3767, 1-888-458-6926, or you can text short code to 35270. Good afternoon and welcome to your lunch hour. Derek Hansen, Brad Anderson in for Jack Michaels here on the Jack Michaels Show. Smorgasbord of sports with the baseball playoffs underway and well, I think the whole world is outside of Southern Texas pulling for the Seattle Mariners. And you're like, oh my goodness, how did you blow that game up 7-3 to going in late in the game? And then I thought I was watching the Minnesota Twins. The bullpen imploded, and the next thing you know, the Houston Astros are becoming like Michael Myers. They just don't go away, right? They're, well, it is something, isn't it? Yeah, they, uh, they are there, and they, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. How much do you think that that organization, I mean, they obviously want to win a World Series because they don't... It's going to take the, the kind of the cloud that hangs over 2017 away a little bit. So they're probably as desperate for a World Series as anyone. That certainly that's in the playoff field. Yeah, here. in some ways, yeah, I'd say so. They that maybe uh, uh, you know maybe adds a little more validity to it, perhaps because mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, some of the some of the perpetrators from that team, including one that played shortstop for the Minnesota Twins, are not uh, on that squad anymore. And uh, yeah, it's but Altuve's still kind of the face. And, true, you know, Verlander, true. and you know, yet. Verlander, by the way, when you if you can get to him and you can't beat that team, that's not a good sign. I mean, you have that that's the problem. You had him right there, right? And then you let it get away. That's well, that's the big one that got away. You know, momentum in baseball, they always say is on your, you know, the next day's starting pitcher, mm-hmm. but that one's going to hurt. Uh you would have got, you know, game 1 out of the game 1 on the road, you know, you're guaranteed at least a split against a future Hall of Famer. Mhm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many things that and you know, maybe the Mariners bounce back. I mean, it seemed like you had all the momentum in the world after you, you know, win against Toronto, especially the way you came back in the second game of that series. But uh, we'll see. Phillies with a nice win yesterday. Yes. They kind of hung on for dear life. That might be, uh, they might be a surprise team. They are, uh, you know, they got Bryce Harper back and, and, and you know, that's going to be interesting. I don't know who's going to, I mean, it's a short series and you just never know, but uh, boy, the Dodgers are loaded. Yeah, it's uh it's a little unfair in some ways when you watch that against a, a Padres team that's good, and obviously they still still don't have to tease, right? So I mean, so they just don't they don't have all their weapons because of injuries and other things. But um, yeah, the Padres are they just and they can't beat that team. <laughs> I mean, it's just all I think that's it more than anything else. Right. I don't think it's a talent. It, you know, maybe I don't think there's that wide of a span of talent between those two teams. It's just I think it's matchups. It's, it's Twins Yankees. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of the same way, and it's. Uh, they're the you know if you're the Padres they're they're the big bad blue bully up north to the north and uh, you, and they just can't uh, can't shake that. I'm not going to rule out Cleveland though. I mean I know they got beat last night, but you yeah. know G- Garrett Cole is on the hill. I mean I'm just mm-hmm. not going to rule them out with the way things are going. I mean I think I don't understand why we didn't stagger the leagues out a little bit here. Why we have to do? I mean today would have made more sense to have four games than yesterday, and then have the American League teams take the day off. That type of stuff drives me batty. I don't get that at all. So I, I guess if it's just a, if it's a TV thing or what exactly. Well, because they have to, they don't want everyone to have a travel day together. I get that, but mm-hmm. that's why maybe you stagger it so you don't. You're, you're. I mean, I would start off on a Tuesday with two games, and then you know, getting that, and then you kind of then most of the weekend, then you can fill it up. It just seems strange to do it that way. So you have uh, Phillies in Atlanta today. That is the early game, three thirty-five our time. That's actually going to be televised on Fox 
Fox yeah. had the afternoon game yesterday, too. Well, they don't have soap operas, so it doesn't matter. I guess not. Uh, so, and then You're FS- not interrupting days of our lives. <laughs> FS1, mm-hmm. uh, San Diego and the Dodgers tonight. That'll be 7.37 our time, then the American League tomorrow, both on TBS. The uh, that's, I think that's the other thing. You've got to really be a baseball fan to find the games. And they didn't always used to be that way. No, that is true. And, well, it does go... I still think with a 162 game schedule, I'm almost fine with it just being the, the kind of like the when the Twins won their two World Series, right? I, I think if they're going to do this, to me, they got to shorten up the season and kind of let it, this happen. You know, have more teams in. Cause, and then to your point, just make sure we know where the games are, right? I mean, so I understand. So uh, I guess American League is TBS, and then the Fox family of stations yep. is. Yep. going to be the National League. I think once we get to the LCSs, it probably become a little bit, right. uh, a little bit easier and cleaner to find. But yes, that's that's kind of the thing when you've got four uh, four first round uh, four first round uh, series like that, or I guess the kind of second round, if you will. It's uh, it's it's kind of a maze to find it all. It is going to be uh, interesting, and you mentioned it, I think, a couple weeks ago. But I thought about this with Monday Night Football the other night too. No Joe Buck in the postseason. That's going to be a really different thing to not have him calling the World Series. It's been the first time it's going to be the first time in a long time where we don't have Joe Buck calling the World Series. And I know a lot of people dislike him. Mm-hmm. I actually think that he and Aikman are good. I, I do enjoy them. I, I was not bitter at him up for the Randy Moss thing. I thought he was a little goofy with it. But that was like 2004. I mean, I'm over it, okay? It, yeah. it, it, as a Viking fan, I wasn't offended by it in the first place. I don't know what it is that drives people crazy about him, but to me, I think he's good. So I'm, I'm going to kind of miss him in baseball, to be quite honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I guess he was kind of the voice of the World Series, and he had been for a couple of decades mm-hmm. now. And, you know, I thought he and Smoltz were okay. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's going to be different. Uh, I think, you know, Joe Davis isn't bad, but he's very um, I don't, generic, maybe, is the voice. Um, you know, I think that's a great, yeah. And that sounds off, you know, maybe a little off putting, but I mean, you know, it's it's just different because for so many years, we, you know, like Vince Scully was distinctive, right? Mm-hmm. Joe Buck is distinctive. His father certainly was distinctive with that gravelly voice he had. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that's a great way of putting it where I think the lead guy usually for any of the big events that we've had has a pretty distinctive voice where I think for Davis and a lot of these guys, it's just kind of another voice that you hear and you don't really – I mean, because for a lot of people, how many of the play-by-play guys like Fox and, and CBS that you have for NFL games can you name off the top of your head? I, I mean, I really can't think of them. To me, they're pretty generic outside of the ones that we know time and time again, right? I mean, they, they just kind of go by the way. I, I know, know more of the analysts because I saw them play football like a Greg Olson. But well, I can, I can, CBS, you know, you got Nance and Romo. Or Nance, and Harlan's a Kevin Harlan. Yeah. And, uh, right, uh, Ian Eagle's a good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you hear him here with uh, Sunday or Thursday night football a lot of times. Yeah, he's really good. Yeah. He's very, very good. You know, Fox is, you know, it, it's uh, Kevin Burkhardt's fine. I mean, he's just, you know, he's just a, kind of a different voice, and uh, and I find him easy to listen to. But yeah, it seemed like with CBS, maybe a few more. But he can walk through West Acres and no one will know who he is. Good right? point. Good I mean, point. And, that, and that's what I'm getting at is they're just he's just another guy. And I think for me, that's kind of the difference between some of the guys that we grew up. I mean. Sam Rosen was a guy for a long time. I don't know. Kenny Elbert. Yeah, Kenny mm-hmm. Elbert was there forever. It seemed like the Vikings had him every weekend, didn't they? <laughs> uh, back in the 80s, back in the 80s when, C, when the uh, NFC was on CBS and you used to get Tim Ryan all the time. T- Vikings had Tim Ryan almost every week because they're 
They were not the marquee game, but they weren't the worst game either, right? And that, that pretty much sums were, up the NFC Central. They were not the Falcons North. and the Buccaneers no, or anything yeah, like that. Exactly. They were kind of in the middle. They weren't the back when the Saints were the Aints and Atlanta was, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to get their way through Steve Barkowski. Yes, yep. that's a that, with that rivalry. If you YouTube any games from the uh, from the eighties, you'll get a lot of Tim Ryan. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. That's a very good point. Eh? Yep. I didn't think of it that way. Well, it looks like it's going to be uh, Skylar Thompson. It is. Will be the starting quarterback. Uh, Tua is not going to play against the Vikings. And Teddy Bridgewater, apparently, I don't know if he's been cleared, but he, the, he, the story and the reports are that he will be the backup behind Skylar Thompson. So that leads you to believe huh. he's not 100%, but he's in better shape than Tua. So, and there's no question, what's the first thing that Viking fans think? Here we go. We have another backup quarter. It's going to be Cooper Rush all over again, right? I mean, that type of thing. Now, the, the loss to Cooper Rush last year isn't looking as bad right now. I mean, even though we can talk about Cooper Rush, whether how good he is or whatever, but just the fact that he's That's beating. one that kept you out of the postseason, though. Yes. <laughs> well, I would say this. It's the one that really you know, really got the wheels off the rail, you know, for sure. So I, well, that and the that and the loss of the Lions. But yeah. that one was yeah, I think that's a better way to describe mm-hmm. it is yeah, that's that's when the wheels started. That's when the snowball was really yeah, building that's, up. That's in a when the back way. wheel fell off the cart. Yes. <laughs> yes. For sure. Uh Texter says no Joe Buck is a godsend blessing. It is not about the Randy Moss call. His voice is awful compared to his dad and he is grotesquely captain obvious with his awful, horrible announcing. He, I will say that he is not his father. His father was one of a kind. Yeah, well, and I think he would be the first one to say you're you're just not going to compare. I think for Jack Buck, I mean Jack Buck was a guy that you got used to calling games on, you know, CBS now Westwood One. You know that if he he did a lot of Monday Night Football too. I do believe, right? So he and he did Super Bowls. He did and, uh, CBS Radio, right? Yep, yep. So did a lot of Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So he did a lot of that. To your point, and obviously if. You know, for the big flagship that boomed all over the country at night for the Cardinals. I mean, I, he's a synonymous voice for baseball for St. Louis and then obviously network TV. And, you know, I think Twins fans always have a special place in their heart for we'll see it tomorrow night after game six, right? I mean, that was mm-hmm. one of the better calls in the history of World Series baseball, if we're going to be honest. that. And So, yeah, it's going to be – and only his son could do that for – what what game was it where he did it? Uh, he repeated it. Was it the 2011 Cardinals were playing the Rangers? Ra- it was the Cardinals Rangers. Was it David yes. Freeze it at the home run in game right. six? Yep. And that uh, got them to game seven, which they did win, mm-hmm. beat the Rangers. But yeah, that was the one. Yep. Pretty so sure there you have it. I mean, I, I don't dislike him from that, that as, you know, it's hard to compare anyone to Jack Buck or Vin Scully or, <laughs> you know, Ernie Harwell, Herb Carneal locally yes. here. It's just, that's a. That's a time that will never get back yep, as far as broadcasting. That's very true. Coming up on the program, uh, Jeff Kolpak. In fact, he is wandering into uh, the studio now. He'll join us. Uh, we want to talk a little bison and jackrabbits. Uh, Jeff, of course, from the Forum of Fargo-Moorhead, the golf show during the golf season. And I think the golf season is just about over. Yeah, we're getting there. And, and, he, uh, and he comes in, much like me, as uh, we're now in the middle of October. <laughs> And with all of our same hairstyles here, the mm-hmm. stocking cap is now on. After yes. set, you know, almost 80 degrees yesterday, we go from that to the yep. – uh, so you'll be start shivering now when you're doing these high school football games, Brad, and, and yes. so you got that going for you. Yep, that's for sure. Unfortunately. Um, we had uh, – or we will have about 1240 Josh Johnson, superintendent at Valley City Public Schools, has been uh, kind of one of the liaisons when it comes to the three-class basketball uh, proposal, which is out for the state of North Dakota. Uh, schools have had some time to look it over and have to uh, say yay or nay on this. 
and uh, we'll get an update from him on that. We had him on uh, back a couple of months ago, yes. and we'll get an update from him on how that is uh, progressing and see what kind of uh, uh, what he's heard for and against. I know they're, they're the um, the multiplier issue on that, and we'll kind of get some more info from him on that. I know there are some schools that are kind of against that, so uh, so we'll see. They would like to uh, explain to me the multiplier the. Uh, students not attending their geographical school of residence at a public school will be assigned a multiplier factor for enrollment. So I think it kind mm. of, it really, it, I think it affects private schools more than the public school. I see. So, and there are some private schools, even some out West from what I have been told that are not, uh, not in, uh, not in favor of that. Part. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. It's, it, does North Dakota do like Minnesota and do they, does lunch, uh, oh, does, free and reduced lunches? Does that account for anything like it does in, in Minnesota? Or That will be a question we can ask. You. Yeah, that's a, that is a good question because yeah. it's it's a little out of whack, I think, in my home state. I mean, just... Uh, uh, yes, <laughs> I, would, uh, no, I, would, I would agree I mean, with that, yes. Yeah, I mean, Minneapolis North and 2A is just a little weird, but uh, we can, we'll chat about that. That's That will be a good question, as you mentioned, for that. And it's hard to believe. I mean, I, I'm looking at Friday just a couple days away, and then, of course, we have the short week with all the... MEA and NDA, it's over. I mean, (laughs) this is it. It's a week. Week and it's, we're hitting postseason for all. Now we get nine B coming up this weekend. Nine man's uh, this weekend. The first round of nine man. They'll have eight games in the first round, and then the top seeds in each of the regions get a bye. Mm -hmm. So they won't play till next week. So like Lamore, Litchfield, Marion, Mayport, CG, uh, or Cavaliers, another team uh, from the East that. uh, that will not play till next week. They will wait to see who their opponent will be. So yeah, so it's uh we're here. It's hard to believe it. There's but no doubt about it. So. Yeah, it's it's most definitely here. Um, Lamore Litchfield Marion, uh, no doubt number one seed, and they have mm-hmm. been rolling right. Yeah, I mean, and uh, they've, they've uh, dealt with some injuries. Their quarterback was banged up, so uh, but they've still rolling along, and uh, they'll get either Richland or Maple River. Uh, that'll that's a first round game at noon in Hope, and the winner there will take on. Um, Take on LLM, uh, Winemere, Lidgerwood, and Hatton, Northwood. Uh, I was just uh, talking here in this week that Winemere's quarterback got hurt last week and uh, collarbone injury. So, Ouch. second straight year, the Warbirds will have uh, some key guys out uh, as they get to the postseason, but we'll see how that all shakes out. Is it interesting to you? I mean, and I, I don't mean this as a negative topic, it's more of a just a reality of it all, too. When, when you're mentioning some teams like in nine man football, and I think about just enrollment, how it changes, you know, how some areas are growing and how some are smaller because you know there's a time if you'd have told me Mayport CG would be a nine-man school I'd have said you're crazy you know what I mean you growing up in North Dakota I'm sure it, the same. I always compare them to my hometown yeah to, to Lisbon they, well, they were pretty good rivals in the playoffs back in the day when we were in high school I mean uh, yeah they, they could match up sometimes they so. will actually be going back up to 11 next year yeah so they will be that does make sense actually in that region they'll be in the region uh well it's not all finalized but it's pretty close to finalized uh, once the Season gets over, but it looks like they will be in the region with Castleton and Kindred and uh, Lisbon, and so yeah. Because like on my side of the river, if you had ever told me when I was going to high school that someday my hometown would have more enrollment than Breckenridge, I would have said you're nuts, mm-hmm. you know, and just kind of the way it is. But it's all proximity to the FM Metro, right? It's, oh, absolutely. And, and that's absolutely. that's what it comes down to more than anything. Where the the two cast schools and Kindred, and you know, I think Richland's trying to, you know, show people that they're Thompson, they can, Thompson up north. Yeah, of course, just being eight miles from Grand Forks, yep. you know, for that commute, and you know, and if you'd have told me someday that Holly would have a bigger enrollment than Crookston, I would have said you're crazy. And just that's kind of the way it is. And, and uh, but 
and you can tell it right there from when the the schools go where that changing and where that it's it's kind of a thirty minute uh, commute is the sweet spot I think I for asked, a lot of these. Areas. I asked some people from Hillsboro who was kind of right when I was up there last year for a right playoff game, basically yeah. you know right halfway, and I says, do you get a do you have people? It was somebody that worked at the school. And I said, do you have people that commute to either Grand Forks or Fargo? Has that really made a difference? They said, not really. Maybe a hmm. maybe a handful, but not a lot. And see, we get a little bit of that in Barnesville because you get Fargo Fer- Fergus. And, then, and you get Fergus or Wapaton, actually. Oh, true, yeah. And You're so only about a half hour from do Wapaton. that, and it's kind of interesting that way. So, yeah. Yeah, think of the people. volleyball coach at Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's one. That would be an example, yes, uh, her and her husband for sure. But yep. the, there's a few more, actually, too, surprisingly to a lot of people. But Texter says here, the people that hate on Joe Buck are the same people that think they would be the best NFL coaches and MLB managers. Bunch of know-it-alls that think their opinions are the only thing that exists. Well, I'll finish this way, and I say this all the time to Viking fans that think that they favor Aaron Rodgers so much. Each and every year in the playoffs, Packer fans would always have a, uh, what was it, petition.org or something, so Joe Buck <laughs> and Troy Aikman would not do their games. Right. So what does that tell you, right? It's kind of like when I get talking politics on our sister station and I get both sides angry at me, I know I'm doing it right and, and because that's what it is. I mean, if – if the Packer fans can't stand them, we all think that they suck up to Aaron Rodgers all the time. It tells you that they're calling it down the middle. They're just, they just want exciting plays. Go back and listen to the call of the Minneapolis miracle, and that's all you need to which know. He was, which, which was great. It was a great call, great. I mean, and that's all was, you have to know. Actually, the all, I think I've heard that one. I've heard the Kevin Harlan call on Mustard One yep. and the Paul Allen call. They're all good in their own little way. Yeah, other than Pete Bursich walked all over well, there is that, PAs. Yeah. Stay in uh, bounds, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of that, yeah, for sure. All right, Derek Hansen, Brad Anderson, Jeff Kolpak from the Forum, longtime Bison beat writer is going to be with us previewing the Dakota Marker game. NDSU, SDSU, one versus two at the Fargo Dome this Saturday. We'll chat about it here on the Jack Michaels Show, 740 The Fan. Paul Allen gives you the 411 on the Minnesota Vikings 365 days a year. Football. Catch the fever. Tune into Paul Allen from 9 to noon weekdays on 740 The Fan and 107.3 FM. This is huge. Time for the fans' finest here on 740 The Fan and is presented by Cass Clay Cream Rays. Well, the honor this week goes to the West Fargo boys soccer team. The Packers on their home field at Essential Health Packers Stadium came through a 3-1 goal victory as none of them were easy in the state tournament last week. In the opening round of the quarterfinals, West Fargo got a Kenan Berkovich goal nearly six minutes into the second half and defeated Bismarck by a score of 1-0. Bismarck thought they had grabbed the lead early in the first half, but a goal was wiped out due to an offside call. Goalkeeper Bonfis Loria had 10 saves for West Fargo in that win on Friday. That got them into the semifinals where Bernard Musafiri's penalty kick with just over five minutes to play was all they would need in a 1-0 win over Minot. That got the Packers into the championship match Saturday when they took on a Fargo-Davies team that had not lost in two seasons. The defending champs, West Fargo winning in double overtime. Ibrahim Bangura had the game-winning goal, 118 left in double overtime to give the Packers a 2-1 victory. Musafiri got the Packers on the board first, scoring early in the match just over four minutes in before Davies responded. The Packers battled through, got the game winner in double overtime, and West Fargo, the state champs. They finished with a mark of 13 wins, five losses, and two draws on the year, and won 10 out of their last 11 matches in the season. Congrats to the West Fargo Packers boys soccer team. This week's Fans Finest, it is presented by Cass Clay Cream Rays.
Welcome back. Jack Michael Show. Derek Hansen, Brad Anderson in for Jack. Jeff Kolpak, longtime Bison beat writer here with us from the Forum and also host of the Golf Show throughout the spring and summer here on 740 The Fan. Jeff, how you been? You know, so it hasn't rained since when? July or something yes, like that? It feels like that, yeah. <laughs> and I'm walking in here. It's groppling. It's sleeting. Yep. It's, it's pounding my head. I'm doing the extra mile. I almost didn't come in. Wow. Well... Okay, I want to do this just for you because you you always appreciate a good grand uh, grand entrance. Yes. Oh, that's... thank you. I feel better. <laughs> yes. I don't know if that makes it any better for you. We should have started this off with it then, you know. <laughs> yeah, this is how you do it. The pomp and circumstance going. Yes. We should have done like the uh, Randy Macho Man Savage entrance. What's, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> or Ric Flair. With or we the, could uh, go Timmy Trumpet. And, Close uh, Encounters. Yeah. Of, I think know. the last time I saw Grapple or felt Grapple, more appropriately, grapple. Mm-hmm. was Grapple. I, I was, don't know. I was, You're I was, right. Daryl Richardson always told me it was Grapple. Was 2010 or 11 at Missouri State. Dom and I are doing a pregame show, just getting pounded. Was that the Was that the Jose Moeller 3-0 game? That was 09. Oh, it was 09. Uh, could have been 09. Huh. I thought it, it was. So I thought ago. it was ten. That was the the three nothing game because they didn't think the Bison were going to make the playoffs that year. No, you're right, and they got in. Yeah, you're right. 2010. You're a great Bison football. You know, I quit. Yeah, every, <laughs> I'm just quitting. Not a chance. This, this is the sh- first sign that Dr. Brad Anderson. You get to go to Terre Wipes Haute me now. out yeah. on well, Bison I, uh, trivia. I showed. Um, I showed Colpack the picture of Rochester where I was at the Rochester uh, Public Stadium. Well, that's a beautiful stadium. Where, uh, yeah, where science was much play. nicer than I was going to say Haute. Rochester greater than Terre Haute. Yeah, is it really? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. It was really nice. Well, yeah, I've been there before at a wrestling tournament when the boy was wrestling for Ridgewater's, and it, I I couldn't believe that that was a because I went to M State Fergus Falls, right? Yep. Which is. I mean, it looks like Rotze. Which I'm not saying anything bad against Rotze, but it's just a small right. school deal, right? Right. And to think that they're in the same league as Rochester, it looks like a a big metropolitan high school type of thing, right? So well, I've, I mean, I've been to Stillwater lately. That's that that high school stadium looks like something. I'm I'm calling Terre Haute hotels like two months ago, mm-hmm. thinking, okay, I'll get a jump start on this. You know, it's Terre Haute, and I couldn't find. It took forever to find rooms, and everywhere I go, I go, what's going on there? And they go, Rose Holman Homecoming. Like, well, Indiana State's football's playing. No, Rose Holman football homecoming, ah. Division three school. Mm. Wow, it, it dominated That's the tough. town. Unbelievable. Well, well, so the fighting engineers. Did you That's go to KOA or something? <laughs> Bagged and pleaded, <laughs> had to overpay, which is going to make my boss real happy. Fantastic. Well, I, I guess there might be a few hotels uh, booked for this weekend too. Uh, people don't realize that how many people come to Fargo on the weekend, like are from out of the area for home games. Oh, it's uh, there's a lot of season ticket holders from out of the area. Yeah, drive three just hours. like UND hockey. Absolutely, yeah. uh, you go on UND hockey game days, right? There's just a train from Fargo to Grand Forks, and same way with Bison football. I, I, I did a story on that a long time ago, and I should update it. But uh, where the actual season ticket ticket holders are. And you'd be surprised. There's, I mean, it's just, it's not from just Fargo or Moorhead or West Fargo. It's a lot of Bismarck, all of, Oh North yeah, Dakota. oh yeah. They make a weekend of it. I, I got a, I had a previous my previous employer before I came back here full time six years ago. It, uh, you know, for Tyler Axis is from Leeds. They are you know graduates and season ticket. They used to come all the time. I don't know if they still do, but yeah. And you speak of uh, UND hockey. You know, a couple that from the cities every weekend home series. Grand, to Grand Forks. So oh, yeah, want, I know people flew in every they, weekend. 
The oh, UND. Wow. That's crazy. Well, yeah. uh, you and I were at uh, Matt Ince's press conference the other day. Little gamesmanship there, saying you know South Dakota State they're they're the best team. No, I don't. Right I, I think he's right. I I, I think I, I, I think South Dakota State's playing more like the number one team in the country than NDSU is. Well, I don't know how you can debate that, especially defensively. Well, especially defensively, but and and offensively, it's yeah, it's about you know South Dakota State hasn't lit it on fire. Mm-hmm. But when I look at the history of this game, and you look at the history of NDSU's championship teams. What South Dakota State is doing on defense is what the Bison did all those years. And that's stop the run, be stout up front, rotate a lot of players, really good at linebacker, you know, pretty good on the back end, really good at corner. And uh, I, that's what I see in South Dakota State right now. Yeah. Well, and I think to your point with the offense, the bad news is you turned the ball over four times. The good news is you turned the ball over four times and still won the game. I mean, and that's one way of looking at it, but they got to clean that up. They can't do that this weekend. Yeah, three fumbles at South Dakota, three fumbles at Indiana State. It's just so uncharacteristic right. of this program. And 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 you go, okay, that was just a, a game or that was just a, a fluke. But, no, we're six games into the season now, guys. Mm-hmm. And and that, to me, it's a trend. Yeah, and that trend that's got to go away. I think it yeah. kind of started with the Arizona game, not so much the number of turnovers, but w- when they uh, when they occurred in that game. Yeah, well, true. and that was third game of the year, so you know that's. Um, yeah, is there still time to turn around? Absolutely. Sure. I mean, yeah, of course there is. Good good teams play their best in the, the year, and good teams correct their mistakes as they go along. You know, you don't make the same mistake twice. That's. Kind of why I'm still in the business, I think, because you know you screw up early, you you you, you, you maybe you didn't get a story right like you should have, and don't do it again. And <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just that was it. made clear to me at a young age. Yeah, I bet there's no question about that. Um, do you think Tucker Craft will play this week? I mean, they kind of sent out uh, kind of a tweet from uh, kind of out of the blue there, but uh, you think he he might? Uh, do I think he'll play? I do think he'll play. Do I think he should play? I don't think he should play. Gotcha. Because of a high ankle sprain, you better be darn sure that is 100%. I'm talking about his NFL future here. Sure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. talking about what this young man has in store, you know, in January, February, and whatever, and beyond. Play. It's one thing to come back against a, a team that's probably not as physical but to come back against NDSU, which it is going to be a slugfest, he better be 100% or else I think he's mortgaging and risking a pretty bright future there. When you look at Cam Miller, it was pretty obvious when you guys were talking to him yesterday that you know he's he knows that he's over and he wants to get this win. So it's And I think the seniors kind of along with that, they want to get that rock back. And that's something he doesn't want hanging over his head as far as his legacy here. No, and he's, you know, he owns up to it. He's, he, he's a, such a stand-up guy. I go back to the Missouri State game last year when he came in for Quincy Patterson in the second half and rallied them to a win. And I asked him after the game, I, and this is when the transfer portal was really getting going here. I said, why didn't you transfer? You, you could have transferred. You know, the Northern Iowa quarterback transferred the second or third game of the year when he found out he wasn't the starting quarterback. And he said, that's just not how I was brought up. It's not what I do. His dad's a high school head football coach, and that one sat well with his father, he said. And that's just not how he is. So, you know, yeah, he owns up to it. Uh, you got to root for guys like that, I, you know, just uh, – just the way they carry themselves and, and and are honest about it. Yeah, I guess I've always appreciated. It. He's very straightforward with his answers. They're very well thought out, but they're very straightforward answers. So, you know, offensively, I was visiting with Zach Mathis. Uh, we'll probably play that back uh, tomorrow. 
a wide receiver. And, you know, there's a, there's a young man that had a solid game. He's gone through a lot. And, you know, we talked about you know, there are some Bison fans that say, oh, they, they just can't throw the deep ball. They're just not a deep threat. It'd be nice to stretch the field once in a while, but does there this is a chain moving offense. Do they need to do they need to have a deep kind of spoiled with Christian Watson, aren't we? Yeah. I yep. mean that's no that's doubt. the way that's where that comes from. Do you need a, a deep threat all the time? I'm not so sure about that. Braylon Henderson isn't slow. I mean they, they don't they, the guys aren't slow. Zach Mathis has gotten loose once. I don't think and it's obvious that they're not gonna find that one deep guy this year that they're going to have to spread it around, and I think that's fine. you got Hunter Lipke, the best player in the FCS, in, in a lot of people's opinion. that And so teams are going to have to guard against what he does up front. So I, I, I just don't think – you need to play better defense about NDSU. That, that to me, it's not about offense. It's about playing better run defense. It's about filling gaps better. Tackling better. Tackling better. That apparently got better against Indiana State, but that's Indiana State, which scored three offensive touchdowns all year coming into the game. So that's a little alarm clock. That's a little bothersome, yes. And when you're used to, you know, the defense being such a dominant part of what they do, obviously, year in and year out. And these are just facts and stuff we're throwing out. It's basic stuff, really, we're talking about. I'm not sitting here ripping on the team. I'm just calling it like it is. Mm -hmm. And and I think uh you know the head coach probably echoed those things too, and very much so. In, I mean, in the press you know, conference. You know, I think uh, you know. I I know uh, Mike McFeely asked the question, "What do you like about this team?" And he's like, "Hey, we're five and one." He says, "But I just don't. Not there's untapped potential, but we just there's more there." And which I think is kind of scary. They're five and one. They've been able to good enough to win, you know, five of the six games. And but there's you feel like there's something more. But a good coach. I mean, that's how you coach is. You coach your team to its potential, not to the record. And just scraping by 31-26 at Indiana State, yeah, enjoy the victory, the 24-hour rule. But, man, you got a lot of work coming back. I mean, nope. now you're facing a team that uh, there really isn't a lot of wiggle room, apparently. Well, yeah. I mean, let me ask you this, because, I mean, just kind of looking at the – and I was at my uh, niece's birthday party or whatever. We're at a restaurant. You could see you after the game was ending. I mean, it did not, not look like a victory. <laughs> you know, it really didn't. I mean, just there wasn't a lot of celebrating, and you know, Coach Jens after the game and the interview and all that. It it wasn't really the rah rah sis boom ba type of thing. That was my first question to him after the game was, and we're sitting there in the outside the end zone in Terre Haute. You know, he's talked to Gus Bradley and all that, and then it was down time to get down to business. And I, I think my question was something like, "You say you enjoy every win. That's always a, a prerogative and an imperative thing to do. But is that getting more challenging to enjoy every win?" I can't remember what he said. Yeah, <laughs> well, I think it is. But is it a little bit of being spoiled? You're just going to have games like this. I mean, winning on the road in this league—I don't care who it is—isn't always easy. Well, it's a standard this program right. is. When you win nine titles in eleven years, that's the standard you got to live in. Whether it's right or wrong, it is. You know, I hate to say it is what it is, but it is what it is. And um, they're they're down on on, on defense a little bit. They're younger. No, yeah. they, they they have seven defensive linemen who played in the, that, this game last year that aren't there this year. That's who, amazing. Who, right? Seven. And, and actually, wait, eight if you count Spencer Wagey. That's through Wagey. Are you counting uh, Eli Mostart, too? Yeah, Eli Mostart. So, I guess six. So, Spencer's back. But seven guys and, and Cava being yeah, out. And Cava is too. Kind of yeah. a big deal. Graduated five guys. You just don't plug and play like I think a lot of people think you can. Yeah. You well, know, they have before. That's the problem. Right? I think with, <laughs> yeah, they have. Yeah. I think with South Dakota State, you know, they beat the Bison twice and one was in the spring season. 
but it still counts. Um, there, there's still something. They've established themselves as a top program in this division, but there's still something incomplete. They have not beat the Bison in the postseason. Um, they've laid a few eggs in the postseason. I mean, it's nice if they come up here and win. That's great. But even then, I don't know if that completely checks all the boxes for them. So all those Bison fans who say, oh, we are bored with winning, are you still bored with winning? <laughs> well, because you're not it. the favorite right now. Well, and, and that's my that's been my point, the kind of the the yin and the yang of it for Bison fans. You can't be so, so upset because you think it's boring because you're beating everyone 40-7, to 7, but then you have a game like that, and then you're upset you're not winning by enough. You can't have it both ways. You, you haven't seen the marker since 2019. Right. And say what you want, I think, and I poo-booed it when it first came out. I was at the border I think it was 2004 when they introduced the marker at one of the original uh, marker sites. I can't remember the guy's farm. But I kind of poo-pooed, like, okay, this is a drive rivalry. South Dakota State was never really that good in Division II. You know, whatever, I'll go with it. And it's for the Dakota marker. But it it has turned into the equality of uh, the equivalent of the nickel. I I really believe that. I think these, these programs are at that level because they're good. You know, they're good. They're one versus two now coming in. Well, certainly for the fact that I think with the fans and the coaches and they step on each other's toes in recruiting, you know, it's not like back in the mid-90s at the height of the nickel game where you had – I'd walk through the office here and you had one person with Kelly Green and White in his office and the next one was Forrest Green and Gold. You know what I mean? So you're not having that. I don't have a lot of Jackrabbit fans here, but I think for the people who are involved – and kind of the anticipation for this game, yeah, you're right. That that certainly has surpassed. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the fans. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But for the these teams, that rivalry is is mm-hmm. is all that UND and NDSU was in the Division Two days. The fans, yeah, there's no way. I, you, you know, you got the the small town guys on one guy <laughs> in one end of the bar and the guy in the other end right. of the bar. And that's a whole different thing. That's yeah. just, it's we're just too yet we're too intertwined with fans on both sides here. Not not a lot of, not a lot of Bison fans. I assume live in Brookings. Probably not. Probably no. not. No, it's a little different around here. Yeah, actually, my father in law. Well, he grew up in South Dakota. Um, it is a is it got did his undergrad stuff at SDSU. Did his masters at NDSU. Mm-hmm. And I always ask who he cheers for. And I think most of the time, I think he, cheer, it's, he cheers for the winner, doesn't he? Probably. <laughs> I think he's kind of more of a Jack fan than a Bison fan. So well, you know, he's pulling for the little engine that could compared to you know they're trying to get over the hump in the playoffs That's true. too. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Caller has a question. Go ahead. Yeah, good afternoon. I got a question for Jeff, and he just made the comment about how many current uh, defensive linemen for the Bison haven't played in this game due to mostly graduation, a couple of injuries. And if you look at the two deep zone chart for the Bison defensive line, there appears to be a lot of gaps between seniors and redshirt freshmen. And I'm just wondering what Jeff thinks about if that was the case, why didn't they go on the transfer portal and see what they could get? Or did they, and they just didn't like anybody? Well, I just think they thought some guys would develop. I, I do. And and I don't think you, you don't count on an injury. In, the injury to Eli Mostar can't be understated. That guy is an all-American guy. Yeah. He is. And that can, I mean, you lose your best lineman. That, that, that was, that took a, that was a bite right there. So I don't think that, um, you know, they, now they might think different. In this off season, I'll give you that because now um, you look at your where where you're deficient most on your team and go, okay, are, are do we are, are we comfortable with our guys coming up? Do we think we can develop in the off season, or do we need to bring somebody in? Yeah. very good. Thanks a lot for your phone call. Do appreciate it. Uh, 
I, I want to leave you with this. You know, we talk about the Missouri Valley Football Conference a lot, and there's some surprises here. I didn't see Missouri State being, you know, winless so far. And, you know, Southern Illinois, I'm not surprised that they're good. I didn't think they'd be sitting there. Well, can we stop right there? Because Missouri State, that's an example of, okay, being portal happy. Yeah. I mean, just because there's a transfer portal, and I'll refer to the caller here, that you got to bring guys in. I mean, it can go both ways. Mm-hmm. You're bringing guys in who have already failed once, right? Usually, they're, you're usually not successful at the FBS level. You don't transfer to an FCS school because you're great. So they've already failed once, and bringing guys in can be a little risky. I think maybe that's what we're seeing at Missouri State right now. That's possible. Yeah, they've got to they got to run the pretty much got to run run the board here at this uh, at this stage of the game. And uh, well, how much? Uh, you know, how much has UND helped their chances the last couple of weeks? Great, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Um, that was a big road win for sure. Yeah. They, that was their that was their hitch, right? They couldn't win on the road, and and they've changed that now. That was a big win at Youngstown. Youngstown was pretty good. I was pretty impressed with their uh, with yeah. their team. They're, they're they've gotten a lot better. Um, UND's better at the in the scrimmage than I thought they would be. Yeah, yeah. coming in. Well, it should be interesting. Again, they get to sit back and watch this whole thing, you know, play out on Saturday too, and then get the Jackrabbits. So, NDSU at, at this give rate, how assist. good is that game going to be at the end of the year? Now, <laughs> now bring back the nickel, huh? Well, put, I, I, put put the logo, put the hawk logo on. I, one I, side. I just said that yesterday, to Eric and Tyler over on our sister station. I said, "Why are we waiting on this? You know, bring back the nickel." And is it because in case NDSU goes to the FBS and has to cancel the series again? Or I mean, is that? Is that even a possibility? Because you, you and I have talked about the FBS thing, how it, it's, how tough it, it really Sign is. Sign me up right now. <laughs> yeah. Look at James Madison. My God, number 25 Yeah, yeah this but year. where are they going to go? The Boca Raton Bowl? I mean, they can go yeah. back to Frisco. Oh, yeah. I'll correct. go to Boca Raton. Well, I'm sure. Well, yeah. I, I know Frisco like the back of my hand. It's time for well, that's new blood. The, that's the other go. bowl you can go to in the Sun I know Belt. Frisco better than South Fargo. Oh, well. <laughs> They can go the tropical smoothie Frisco Bowl. But GMU, but Coastal, too. I mean, Coastal did the same thing. Yeah. Oh, Myrtle Coastal, Beach? Coastal Carolina. Yeah, well. Look at all the Bison fans that went to the Arizona game. Yeah. Well, I don't doubt that. They'll go to a bowl game, but it's, you know, it's. Oh, they'd go to a bowl game. Well, I know sure. they would, but it would be. I think the Frisco thing is kind of wearing thin. Okay. They'll go wherever. Yeah, well, I don't doubt that, but. My bar owners that want those playoff games. No, I, don't, I, re- I really don't want to go to the Motor City Bowl in Detroit. No, no, okay. exactly. You want to spend the holidays with uh, – uh, maybe you can catch a Lions game after. All right, Jeff, thanks. Good to see you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Longtime beat writer for the form, Jeff Kolpak with us. Again, host of the golf show on 740 The Fan. We're going to talk a little class uh, – three classes in North Dakota for basketball. Will it finally happen? All that and more coming up. Derek Hansen, Brad Anderson with us here on the Jack Michael Show. We are back coming up at 1245 here on 740 The Fan, 107.3 FM. As we continue on at the Jack Michaels Show, Jack uh, will be uh, out the uh, remainder of the uh, of the week and should be back with us on uh, on Monday. Well, the uh, three-class basketball proposal, uh, schools have had their chance to uh, kind of weigh in and uh, voice their approval or disapproval of it. And uh, pleased to have back on the show, Superintendent of Schools of Valley City Public Schools has been... Uh, uh, liaison to this whole process, Josh Johnson joins us. First of all, thank you for uh, taking a few minutes uh, to uh, join us on the show. Hey. Good afternoon. Thanks a lot. I appreciate the opportunity, uh, the information uh, for our public. Uh, those basketball enthusiasts uh, in North Dakota is very important. And so I appreciate uh, the opportunity on behalf of our focus group to be able to give an update and, and answer some questions. All right. So the schools have had a chance to, to take a look at this and uh, I guess 
uh, overall the uh, the response you've gotten, maybe some things that's uh, that maybe uh, you weren't expecting, but uh, overall, uh, just uh, what uh, kind of response did you get? Yeah, so so again, just to remind people that uh, we we put that plan out in beginning of August. Uh, we made some tweaks through throughout the plan during the month of August and September, and then uh, we finalized the plan uh, end of September and put it put it out officially in a final draft to our member schools at the beginning of October. And and so we're approximately uh, 10 days into uh, the official action, if you will, that we're looking for from the member schools. And and what I can tell you is. Within the three classes, we've gotten a lot of uh, response. Um, majority of that response so far has been from our Class B Class B schools. There's 74 total teams in that uh, division, proposed class, and and uh, so far we've had a third of them that have uh, uh, responded with their support. And and so um, we we have uh, asked schools to provide us with their support or. Um, no support or um, making a decision by the end of October. So they have until October 31st. And so at this point, I know uh, a lot of uh, school administrators are bringing this information to their boards. And uh, so we're waiting anxiously for those responses, but optimistic right now so far with uh, the response that we've had. The uh, the issue I know there's maybe some of the uh, the private schools, the multiplier factor of uh, one kind of explain what that's all about. And, now, the students are counted in grades 9 through 12. I know football is 7 through 10, if I, if I remember correctly, but this is 9 through 12. But just kind of kind of give more detail on that. Yeah, you bet. The, the, you're right. The, the multiplier, I think, is, is the, the most talked about uh, portion of our proposal at this point. And, and again, the, the focus group used the multiplier to be able to bring about balance between um, schools across the state of North Dakota. And so what we have done is, is for any student residing out of a school district, out of a boundary, would be considered as a two. So in Valley City here, any students outside of our district would be considered as two if they're in grades nine through 12. The thing about for our private schools is uh, all of their students are considered as two um, by century code and the definition of, of a public residence. Um, their boundaries are, are different as we all understand and know. and And so, um, that is, I think, the, the point of contention, if you will. And so what I'd like to, to compare or relate um, when we look at uh, similar size schools, if you use Bishop Ryan as an example, where you have 80, 85 kids approximately. Well, down the road from Valley City here, you have Burns County North with a, an equal number of students, 85. And, and I think we can all step back and say the 85 in Minot, North Dakota, attending Bishop Ryan are a little bit different than the 85 students at Burns County North in Leal. Leo, North Dakota. And so that, again, was the purpose of the, the multiplier, to try to bring about um, equity and balance um, across the state of North Dakota. And so, again, it's just not, not specifically to our private schools, but it's also those um, resident or urban schools um, within the metro areas. Yeah, so, so is that... Um... Is that something I think when, I guess for some of the uh, smaller B schools, if they want to remain in the lowest class, I guess they would look at that as a positive <laughs> because I, I think it's, you know, I don't have to tell you one of the biggest gripes that a lot of people have obviously is the traditional tournament with a lot of private schools in that. Yeah. And, and you're absolutely right. And and so again, I think that's why we're getting, getting a lot of support from our class B schools is um, because again, I think it brings about the competitive balance and, it, you know, the tournaments have been relatively predictable. It has come back to the success factor of our private schools in Class B, as well as 
those metro schools, such as a Kindred or a Castleton um, and Thompson and, and the others. And so um, I think that, again, by moving those schools um, to the middle class, it's going to bring about more opportunities for our Class B schools um, who haven't had that, that success in the last 15, 20 years to be able to, to allow their students to be able to compete and, and have success and be able to, to be represented at a state tournament. I've always brought up, and Brad's going to laugh at me, would there ever be talk of like three classes and then two tournaments? And, and you have like the, let's say you did B with a traditional B, and then you had like the A and then the double A, and then kind of mix and match so you have some of the bigger schools facing off. You know, maybe in the semifinals you've paired up. Because me being from Minnesota, they did that for a couple of years, and it was really popular. And having that, because like a Central Cast versus, you know, a West Fargo in the semifinals or something like that. You know, I'm getting that in the state tournament because there's so many uh, schools in A right now that get to go to the tournament and not that many schools that are really in the class itself. Sure, that that has not been any feedback that we've received from the, the member schools. Of course, we've we've gotten a lot of response and, and opinions on tournament format and and uh, structures of the classes and cutoffs between the, the different divisions. But one thing I can tell you, and probably for the listeners uh, that have been around the state of North Dakota for a while, there used to be a, a North Star division, and uh, I think that was structured very similar to what you're referencing, where you had a, a, a Devil's Lake, a Bishop Ryan, a Langdon, Harvey, I believe, was in that at one point, rugby. And I think that uh, structure was in a, in a format similar to what you're referencing. Yep, that was the third Class A conference uh, back in the day. As far as the, um, yeah. uh, as far as the tournament formats, so, you know, because you have the double A, I think, would be like uh, the current Super A, and then you would kind of mix and match with some of the, uh, the regional and state tournaments. Um, what kind of feedback did you get on that? You know, I think there's a lot of excitement uh, when you when you look at that middle class, and and uh, right now we've we've broken up between an east region and a west region. There's there's a lot of enthusiasm when you start thinking about the teams that are are going to potentially be competing in that uh, middle class. And so, just as an example, you have Wapiton, Old Grove, Valley City, Kindred, Lisbon, Central Cast, Northern Cast, Hillsboro, Central Valley. That makes for a, a pretty doggone competitive uh, tournament format, and so. Um, we, we looked at uh, the different structure of the weekend, um, when those tournaments were going to be played. And so, you know, there's, there's opportunity for, I think, some adjustments to be made as, a, as the time goes on and we learn some things. If this plan is, reaches the 60% um, support from our member schools, is proposed to the NDHSA and ultimately approved, um, there's going to be some, some changes that are going to have to come with that. And I think right now, you know, as the focus group has, has dove deep into putting together this proposal, put a lot of work into it, listen to the feedback from our member schools. We've put out um, these, these concepts and ideas, and I think the feedback has been generally very positive from our schools. A couple other questions that have come up is scheduling. Uh, the focus group has, has been committed again, communicating that scheduling needs to be done on a local level. This is not something that the NDHSA has done or wants to do. And so the question of, are we playing a district tournament? Or are we playing a region tournament? And, and so, again, reiterating to our, our member schools that scheduling can be done on a local level. So, therefore, um, uh, a central cast may be able to play outside of the middle class and, and play a traditional rival that they've had with Richland, as an example, um, who is in the Class B. And so that's one, one part of it. Travel is another question that's come up. Um, as relates relative to the regions and the tournaments, 
And so um, travel has become part of the, the, the necessity, if you will, in creating competitive balance across the state of North Dakota. We travel for co-ops. We travel currently for tournaments. We, we travel all over the place. And, you know, it's not talked about right now. And, and so it is part of the conversation we have right now. But if we want to bring about competitive basketball in North Dakota, I think travel is going to be a necessary part of it. Yep, probably true. With the Class B, uh, you've got it broken down into uh, to eight districts. So District 1, for example, would be Enderlin, uh, Winemere, Lidgewood, Maple River, Hankinson, Richland, among uh, among others, Sargent County, too. Um, would they have, would it be a district tournament and then they'd take uh, kind of, how would that break down from like districts into regionals? Yeah, that's intense right now is, is that, again, like we said, that uh, districts and regions would be able to have that, that capability of some right now play the district tournament out before they get to the region tournament. Mm-hmm. And so we, we don't want to take away that authority in this proposal um, for those region uh, two, as an example. They play the super regional out, and so district three and four in our proposal, we want to still give them that authority to be able to say, "Hey, we want to play a super regional." What that looks like needs to be decided within the region. And so our proposal, of course, you know, right now is presented that here's what the district model would look like. You play a district tournament, you qualify the the four teams into a region tournament, and one places four, two places three, and so then that plays out ultimately leading to. Um, uh, representatives playing in a state tournament. So, uh, again, some some of that is going to have to be worked out on a local level, and, and I think uh, North Dakota is well-known for uh, maintaining that local control, and I think people appreciate that. I guess that uh, leads to my uh, final question here for now, Josh, is uh, how much of this is set in stone, or is this still uh, very fluid? Yeah, uh, you know, the, the proposal right now is set in stone, and so we have until uh, October 31st to be able to garner the necessary support uh, following the NDHSA procedure, which says that uh, we have to have 60% of member school support um, documented, and that's equivalent to 75 member schools. Uh, we're well on our way right now to achieving that support, and, and we hope to be able to have that by October 31st if we have it. Then the intent is to make that proposal to the NDHSA board by Monday, November 14th. And again, the significance with that date is that's one calendar year prior to the first practice of the 23-24 season. And so um, I'm assuming that uh, that if, if this does go through the, the member schools and it, and it reaches the NDHSA board, there's going to have questions regarding the specifics. They'll, they'll be able to study the plan and, and figure out what works, what doesn't work. My hope would be that uh, the, the framework is, is followed as closely as possible because that's what the member schools are are providing their support on. All right, very good. We will we will leave it at that uh, for uh, for the moment here. But uh, Josh Johnson, superintendent of schools at uh, Valley City uh, Public Schools, uh, appreciate uh, the uh, the insight, and uh, we probably may, may not be the last time we talk. But uh, <laughs> thank you for the update. Thank you. All right, and that will. Uh, Kind of put the put the show to bed here. Yeah, so. it's a, it's interesting to see how that goes. I think obviously it does take care of some problems we've had with uh, I think a lot of frustration with kind of the traditional that we've had with the B. I, I just kind of wonder, you know, with three tournaments, I, I just think that's an interesting the, animal. That, that's the questions I have because you're kind of mixing and matching tournaments together, and that's going to be uh, you know for people going to tournaments, for people covering tournaments. Um, yeah, they're going to have some decisions to be made there. As a Minnesota fan who 
sees four classes. I'm just saying, be careful what you wish for. That's yep. how I'm getting it. We'll see. More to come yep. on that. And uh, yeah, very this, interesting. This will be uh, this month will be uh, very key to see what kind of responses they get. So the, with the multiplier thing and some of the other questions out there, but mm-hmm. there definitely has uh, it definitely has some support. I think maybe more than than years past. Yep. So we will uh, we will see on that. We'll get an update. I'm sure coming up here in the next uh, few weeks. We'll have some uh, buys and bits tomorrow. We'll hear from uh, some players. We'll most start. Uh, also, Cam Miller and Zach Mathis from the program and much more. We'll uh, do this tomorrow in the noon hour. Common Man's next.